Welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Alex Brashears, who is a private money lender, uh, but she's also a short-term rental owner, manager, educator, limited partner in multifamily syndicators, and a community builder. We're going to talk about her Facebook group called Private Lending Lessons as well. And obviously a very busy woman. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so yeah, lots lots of things on your plate, on your resume here. I see multifamily syndication, short-term rentals. I see passive real estate investors in different uh, sections, military spouses. You're helping military spouses also to grow their financial independence. I mean, this is, there's a lot of stuff going on. So tell us a little bit. I mean, a lot of our, as, uh, as we discuss, a lot of our listeners are kind of like getting into, uh, into real estate. They, they want to be inspired that it's something that is feasible and to take, how they take action, how do they get there? How do they build a rental uh, portfolio and be as successful as you are today? It really starts with, for me, it was trial and error that ultimately ended up in the wisdom that I needed to have a conversation with myself and my spouse and my family for what our goals were. Because a lot of people, you know, they'll want to leave their W-2 job because, you know, they, they think they hate their job. They, they basically just want out of their job. So they're going to start investing in real estate. What they don't think about in that case is that they're ultimately working themselves into another job when yeah. in reality, what they want is time freedom, geographical freedom, and nobody's really having a conversation with new investors to say, is the style of investing that I have chosen actually going to fit my goals and my lifestyle? Because if you think about it, you know, masterminds and a boot camp are, are very popular right now. If you yeah. sign yourself up for a Burr boot camp, you're going to go to this boot camp. They're not going to try and talk you out of the Burr method. They're just going to teach yeah, you everything exactly. they know about the Burr method. Yeah, yeah. And there was some also some big, uh, big training programs out there, and uh, they cost a lot of money. And uh, when you get in there, first of all, they, they take all your money, and then so you have no money to invest in real estate anymore. And then the first thing they say, well, since you have no money, uh, we're going to talk to you about wholesaling, or we're going to talk, well, you know. <laughs> So that's, that's kind of, uh, uh, yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, it's just like, you know, you had already something to, to be done. There's already a lot of uh, information out there. Uh, you may or may not need to, to go and spend that, that huge amount of money uh, to get some training. Um, you know, there might be some other alternatives out there. My recommendation is to find someone uh, like yourself, that is going to coach and mentor them and tell them a little bit, share information in, in different uh, faith, free Facebook groups, for example, and then, and then get going that way and ask questions. Yeah. And ask the right questions. It's not yeah. so much, you know, how do I burr, but you really need to sit down and go, what do you like about this method of investing? What don't you like? You know, yeah. where do you see yourself in five years? What was your goal? Why did you get started? And if nothing they say resonates with you, then you're probably not going to be a burr investor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing too, uh, when I talk about, uh, I have like something that's in my book, I, I write about uh, strategy alignment. So your goal is to achieve financial freedom. But then so many people, when they choose a strategy, they're going to say, well, I'm going to choose a, a Burr, Burr method. I'm going to choose, I'm going to flip houses or do wholesaling. 
Well, this is not in line with a passive income strategy because you have to be actively involved. It takes a lot of, uh, of time and effort to get, you know, and, and consistent, like flipping. Once you flip the house, you have to find another house. You have to find, uh, you know, another rehab bid and, and get the contract done and then sell it again. So definitely not passive income. So there's that alignment that needs to happen. And also the other thing that needs to be aligned is uh, are, are your resources, um, so how much time do you have to, uh, to, to be in that, to, uh, to dedicate to that particular strategy, how much money you have, any kind of speci special skills you have or access to information. So, so that's, that's kind of what I think is important. And again, the birth strategy, if you're working full-time nine to five, you don't have, uh, you don't have time to do potentially a birth strategy. Uh, and that that's what's important a lot of people are focused also on the on the returns and they kind of like work a little bit on on one strategy and say well i can make better returns somewhere else well yeah you could potentially make better returns but that could mean you know different things too I, that means that you need to have more money maybe maybe it needs to have more time maybe you need to have more special like special skill maybe there's more risk but again, it's the alignment that you have to have with, with your goal. And that's what I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that conversation is being had enough with new yeah. investors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing too that you mentioned, and also that not many people mention, is the alignment with your family. Um, so your family is, is an important component. I mean, I, you know, for myself, I mean, I run a family business and uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without my my sons and uh, without my wife. So that's, it is very important. Uh, yes, I wanted to get out of the W2 job and the nine to five. And for me, like I was actually an independent consultant before. So it was more like, you know, the, the seven, seven to seven. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that was a lot of, uh, your family is your support group, is part of your team, get them involved. So I think this is very important. And, and my family is very unique in the fact that being a military family, I've moved 19 times in the last 20 years. And wow. as anybody that's involved in real estate knows, real estate tends not to be a very quick moving asset. So yeah. if you're only going to live somewhere three months, six months, nine months out of the year and potentially never go back there, it makes it very hard to be an active investor because you yeah. know by the time you're there, it's time to leave. So what are you going to do in that three, six, nine months as an active investor? So my family actually really led the charge, led the movement to having to find a way to invest in real estate that went along with my family's lifestyle. This is this is a perfect example. And this is, I, I've never realized that, but this goes again with the alignment. You have to find the right a strategy that works for you, that works with your resources and stuff like that. And you have a very specific challenge here. I mean, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to buy rental properties in my backyard and I'm going to manage it myself. And then hey, now all of a sudden you go to Germany and you go here and you go there. And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't work. So very specific. So you have to find the strategy that's aligned with your goal, but also aligned with, with your specific situation to make sure that this is a success. Yes. And it, it took us a few falls, you know, a few flops in real estate to, to come to that conclusion. I wish I was cognizant enough early on to say <laughs> yeah. we had pre-planned that out. It actually ended up being that way because we learned from our mistakes. Uh -huh. So how did you so how did you approach that? So you looked at your, your situation, you looked at the constraints that you have in terms of your time and being 
having to move on a regular basis and probably not knowing when you will move as well. So how did you approach that to, and you look at all the different strategies in the spectrum and uh, to pick a couple of strategies that might work for you? How did, how did you find that? It really started with going to the local RIA meetings, you know, back before COVID when you could gather in a group and, you know, talk to people. Um, many, many years ago, 20 years ago, I went to a RIA meeting and just happened to bump into a gentleman. I was in college at the time and, you know, we were just, you know, making conversation and I told him I was a chemistry major. And he said, well, oh, you must be pretty good with numbers. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm in Calc 3, I could do this. And he mentioned something about it. He goes, have you ever thought about being a hard money loan broker? And I'm like, no, honestly, never even, wasn't even on my radar. And he explained a little bit about it. And then he said the magic words every college student loves to hear is you can work your own hours. And I was like, sure, let's give this a go. And looking back on it now, he was more a private money lender than a true hard money lender because he lent out mostly his capital and his family's capital. But when I was taken on board with that particular position, I was seeing active real estate from kind of behind the curtain. You know, this was back before, you know, smartphones were a thing. I was actually driving out to properties and wow. having the, you know, having the active investors fill out the loan application. I'm looking at their scope of work in person. You know, I'm seeing all these things. So I was getting a crash course in active real estate, but I wasn't necessarily, like you said, I didn't go to a boot camp. I, I was doing this through my job. And on the flip side of that, since it was a small office, I was also the person that was cashing the checks. So when, you know, you have to go and make your hard money loan payment every month for your flip or your rehab or whatever you're doing, um, you know, I was the one that was physically driving the checks to the bank way back then. And the one thing I always noticed, because obviously they're coming into the office sometimes to pay their checks and you're hearing these stories, oh, the contractor ran off with, you know, half of my deposit or whatever, you know, the contractor's two months behind, I'm waiting on windows, this, that, the other thing, you know, the tenant moved in, hasn't paid a, a rent payment since, you know, it's like, no matter what happened, no matter what the problem was, they were always there showing up to pay their mortgage payment, yeah. <laughs> and so, like no matter what. And, uh, you know, again, going back to these RIA groups, I joined some landlord groups, you know, because again, that's what everybody's kind of new impression of real estate as a new person is you're going to be a landlord, or you're going to be a fix and flip, there's no other options. So I joined yeah. a landlord group. And in the particular market I was in at the time, it really seemed like when you sat down and listened to the landlords was the process basically was put someone in there cross your fingers, nothing breaks for 30 days. And then maybe at the end of those 30 days, you can keep your hundred, $150 a month. And then as soon as the first rolled around, you're playing the same game again, mm -hmm. versus me going to the office, working for this hard money lender, routinely cashing checks for 700 to $2,700 a month. You know, there's no keeping your fingers crossed. Something didn't break. You know, we weren't getting phone calls at 2 AM that the hot water heater blew out. You know, there's, yeah. it was just two completely different worlds. And that's kind of what sparked my interest in doing that. Mm -hmm. And then now with COVID and, you know, technology's progressed, investing in real estate remotely is a lot more ubiquitous in our yeah, community. Exactly. Um, so the idea that I could invest in Florida and live in Washington state, I can invest in Virginia and live in Florida. Like as long as I know the market, I know my metrics. I, as long as I have internet access and electricity, you know, I can do that. So no matter where my spouse gets sent, I can go as long as there's electricity and internet. Cause I'm not going otherwise, cause I need air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. As long as it's the pool, pool or the ocean. Oh, no, I need no, I need air conditioning. 
So are you uh, doing it in specific markets or uh, so that because if you do a hard money lending and stuff like that, you want to make sure that the property is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to appraise to a certain value, it's going to be and, and it makes sense. So are you um, when you're analyzing your your deals, do you choose like specific markets that you're very well uh, aware of that you, you have a lot of information about or it's it could be any projects anywhere? It actually, so back it up even further. So when you're talking about lending as a way of investing, there's actually a whole umbrella of regulations that you have mm -hmm. to make sure you're staying within. So for example, certain states, you actually need a license, a mortgage broker's license to lend out your own money. Some, you know, different states have different, what's called usury laws, which means that's the mm -hmm. upper limit of what somebody can charge for fees and points yeah. and interest rates. So I would, most private lenders that I personally know only lend in a very small market, usually only in one state because they know yeah. what the lending laws are. They know what the usury laws are. They know what the foreclosure process looks like. So it tends to be very hyper-local. Private lending is very hyper-local. Yeah. So if you know one specific market, again, as long as you know that market well, if you have boots on the ground, if you're not living there, you know, you have mm -hmm. a, a realtor to pull a CMA, for example, maybe yeah. a home inspector to go and walk through and make sure that the, you know, the renovation process is actually happening. It's progressing in a way that you're being told it's progressing. Uh, you could do it anywhere, but you really have to be cognizant of those lending laws. So yeah. once most private lenders have that kind of ironed out, they tend to stick to that no matter where they live unless they move mm -hmm. from you know one city in one state to another city in that same state yeah yeah and then the uh so that and now also i mean with technology it's so much easier to actually i mean yeah you can get a cma and wait for that but you can also go on zillow trulia and stuff like that and then figure out um you know do your own comps and then figure out a little bit kind of like what what the value what the after repair value of the property is going to be and all of that if all these numbers actually make sense right Absolutely. So there, there is a lot of due diligence you can do on your own. Yeah, yeah. So what is, um, uh, and you also are a real estate owner, so you own some properties and stuff like that. I think they're, they're mainly like short-term rentals, right? So tell us yes. a little bit about, about that and kind of like, yeah, just like why you decide to go into that market. And then, uh, because this is also something maybe that, you know, is a little bit time consuming. So I'm a little bit curious about that side of it. And uh, yeah, so tell us more. That is a product of one of our major flubs in life. Um, so <laughs> within the military community, you're told, you know, the, the, the way to get into real estate investing is go buy a home with your VA loan. And then when you move, rent it out, which yeah. is exactly what we did. Only we moved 3000 miles away, uh, oh. you know, several time zones away. We left the property in care of a property manager which came recommended from our local RIA group. Um, and it was very, very poorly managed. We got some very bad tenants in there. They did a lot of damage to the property. Wow. Um, so we decided we were never, ever, ever again going to have long-term rental property. It just, uh -huh. it didn't suit our, we know, again, we didn't have that conversation about what is our skills? What is our goals? It just didn't suit any of them. And unfortunately yeah. we realized that after it already was a thing in our life. So when we got back into the mode of property ownership, you know, you think about, you know, what are the different ways and what are the different types of property we can own? What is our lifestyle? 
well, our mm. lifestyle is travel. I mean, we we go. We're constantly yeah. on the go. We also have family all over the United States um, because we haven't lived near any of them in the last 20 years, thankfully enough. It's like, oh, come on, just once. <laughs> I would like to be in the same time zone as a family member. Um, so we kind of led to this idea, you know, how could we invest in real estate? How could we get some enjoyment out of the property? You know, maybe our family could use it because we both come from pretty large families. And um, short-term rental happened to check a lot of those boxes. You know, we were able to get some of the depreciation benefits of home ownership. We were still able to use the home. We could get something that was unique. You know, we wanted to be, our kind of thing is we always want to be away from people. We like space. If we can see our neighbor's house, we're too close. You know, yeah. so, you know, having that short-term rental model really fit those things that we liked. And basically going in and designing a house with a purpose, you know, to be to be easy to clean, to be matching, you know, all of that kind of fits our little OCD tendencies in our lives <laughs> yeah. between my spouse and I. So we just, it made a lot of sense because it fit our lifestyle. So mm -hmm. we decided to start purchasing short-term rentals that are within a six-hour drive of where we currently live. Um, uh -huh. And we can, if it's not booked that weekend, we can just pick up, take all our dogs with us. The other thing is we have a lot of dogs, you know, take all the dogs with us and go to our short-term rental for the weekend and then, you know, uh -huh. come back home and we have a little vacation. Uh, so I think our goal is ultimately to have maybe about 10 different short-term rentals when he's retired out of the military and yeah. just kind of bop from place to place to place. We don't really, we've never really had a home base. We don't really need a home base. So yeah, the yeah. idea of just being able to kind of jump from place to place to place and, oh, we want to spend a month in Maine, you know, in July. Okay, let's do that. We want to spend the month of February in Florida with my family. Let's go yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. So it gives us that financial freedom to do it. Yeah. And we still have property ownership. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty, that's pretty unique. And I, I know, I know a lot of, uh, well, a few military people, and then that's, that's exactly what they do. I mean, they bought the long-term rental, uh, and that make, makes a lot of sense. And but they, they were not burned by bad tenants. I think that's that's why they uh, they continue to do it. But uh, I can see your uh, your lifestyle as well. Kind of like yeah, how the short term rental can also can also help you. And if you you're stationed into different uh, different bases, or af after you retire, you'll be able to travel to different places and all of that. But uh, so how, how much effort is, is, is needed to, to manage all of that, to manage, to manage all these properties? Uh, the worst part, honestly, is standing them up. So it's, okay. you know, it's the normal acquisition part, finding the property, doing the underwriting for that property. And then it's, you know, you're literally furnishing an entire home. So whether yeah. it's, you know, two bedrooms or five bedrooms, whatever you bought, you're furnishing an entire home, everything, furniture, tech, yeah. kitchen, whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, but once all that's kind of up and running and set on a weekly basis, it's really not very much work. You know, it's, it's more about systems than it is about goals. Mm -hmm. So if you can go ahead and set up a system for each house and then yeah. you run that system and obviously the systems are, have to be pretty similar, you know, across all your properties, it really becomes something that I don't want to say it's passive, but it's a lot yeah. less involvement than something that's like a burr or a flick fix and flip, you know, it's. Yeah. It's a lot of back office stuff that realistically, I have a VA that helps me with a lot of that. Yeah. So I can have a VA kind of just go and handle and, you know, monitor the, the platforms a couple hours out of the day and yeah. take care of a lot of it. 
Okay. What about the, uh, I mean, cleaning and repair and stuff like that, the turnover basically between guests. So you have, how do you find the person that's going to do that? It comes from recommendations. So again, okay. you know, doing community, joining face, I, my kind of secret sauce is I join community Facebook groups in every place we buy a home, okay. you know, whether it's like garage sales or, you know, something, just something community related for that community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I can just go in and say, Hey, does I need a handyman to do X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, obviously like eight people will respond, you know, this person does it or, Hey, I do it. Um, or if you just need some, you know, weird random object, or if you, we actually hire uh, what we call a runner. So every, yeah. every area has a runner. So we can kind of reach out to this person and say, Hey, can you go pick up six bottles of wine and, you know, drop them off and then just send me the receipt and I'll send you the money plus, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we include a bottle of wine when, when guests check in. So, okay. you know, for things like that, it's really, it goes back to who, not how. Like, yeah. you know, I don't necessarily need to do all of this. Am yeah. I potentially going to pay a little bit more if I'm not, not doing that? But it comes down to what is my time worth? I mm -hmm. hate shopping. I don't enjoy shopping. I don't even drink alcohol. So I'm definitely not going to go shopping for alcohol. So <laughs> yes, let's outsource that and let it, you know, let someone else go and do that and take the, take the wine. The guests love it. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to continue to offer it, but it's not something yeah. that I particularly want to do. So it really okay. comes down to what you choose, what you want to do because you yeah, don't yeah. have to do it all. Yeah. There was uh, someone that was, uh, he has a portfolio of these short-term rentals and stuff like that. And he had like a number of VAs that were really just mm -hmm. all about managing the property and stuff like that. And, you know, managing the guest experience and all the different boards. And yeah, he was, he appeared to have had a good time doing it. He was, I never heard him say that he was working. He was always like, uh, setting up systems and processes and assigning people to them and then he would be traveling to different all i heard about this was where he was traveling to never <laughs> the work that he had to do no, no, no. he was not making a, a tremendous amount of money that's the other thing too like he was he was just making a regular the, the profit that he was making every month was just like a reasonable salary uh, and you know, that that's all he needed. He, he needed something that he could go and travel, didn't have to work. And uh, so that was pretty I good. think that's another really good point that a lot of new investors don't think about is you don't necessarily need $10,000 a month. You don't need $25,000 a month. If, yeah. if you just go and say, this is what I want to accomplish and I can accomplish that for $5,000 a month, there yeah. doesn't need to be that constant, you know, rat race, hamster in the hamster wheel feeling to yeah. your investing life. Um, you know, so if 10 properties does it and that makes you happy and that's the way to do it, then that's fine. You don't need a thousand doors yeah. to do it. That's, that's something that I see a lot of people like, oh, my goal is to have a, you know, a hundred doors. Like, okay, great. Yeah. Why? Like, <laughs> well, it sounded like a good number. And I'm like, yeah. but do you know what owning a thousand doors entails? Like, that's a lot of time that I don't, I yeah. don't want to sit in on that many asset manager meetings. If I'm a part of multiple deals, you know what I mean? It's just, and I see it a lot in the passive investing world. People are like, oh, I'll start out as an LP and kind of learn the business. And then I'll jump to the GP side. And I'm like, well, wait, why? You know, <laughs> like, do you realize what being, you know, oh, you want a piece of the GP? Well, you're still working for that piece. And yeah, I didn't get yeah. into this to, to create another job. You know, I yeah. don't want to sit in on weekly asset manager meetings. I don't want to worry about what the KPIs of the property are. I just would like my distributions, make sure everything's, you know, the train's going down the tracks. 
according mm -hmm. to the pro forma and then let's move on. I don't, you know, and that's just me. But when you explain that to people that GP sounds awesome, but it comes with a high level of responsibility yeah, yeah. that mm -hmm. they're like, oh, wait. And I'm like, yeah, you know, your goal is to basically work yourself into another job. Yeah. The, the other thing too that I like is, uh, it's kind of when you talk about the metrics, right? So it's how you define your success. And um, yeah, it's, oh, I want to have like 50 doors and stuff like that. And no talk, no discussion about how much these doors are going to generate in terms of cash flow. And all of that, you just have this arbitrary number that you kind of see when, you know, kind of in a race. So oh, I have 50, I have 50. It's the accumulation mentality instead of the cash flowing mentality. And um, so that's why when I, in, in my book, I talk about, you know, focus on what your expenses, what, what your reasonable expenses are. Uh, if you didn't have to work and you want to travel and you, you know, you want to have, uh, you want to retire, basically, how much do you need a month, you know, mm -hmm. and then make that your goal and then build a passive income portfolio based on that. And my example was turnkey rental. I mean, if you wanted to have, uh, you know, like $5,000 a month as, as a number to, to live on, you didn't need to, you needed like 20 properties, you know, yeah. 20 single family rentals. And there you go, you, you have it. And this is a guy that I was talking to uh, like a few months ago, and he was like, he said that that's it that's i can i can buy so that that means i can i can buy like like right now he had enough money to basically buy like four or five properties a year it's like in a few years i can actually retire and he's like 30 or something it's like yeah it's like my god it's unbelievable well i mean think about it from the private lending perspective if you want five thousand dollars a month that yeah. basically rolls around to about five hundred thousand dollars so then mm -hmm. you start working the process backwards how can i yeah, get a hold of exactly. five hundred thousand dollars and making 12 percent interest on five hundred thousand dollars gets you five thousand dollars a month so yeah it, i feel like in private lending it's even that much easier to meet those goals because you're not like trying to worry about occupancy and, you know, repairs mm -hmm. to a property. It's like, no, I'm getting paid. I get mailbox money. So as long as I yeah. do my due diligence well on mm -hmm. the front side, you know, it's really very set it and forget it, which allows me to do all these other things you see on my, on my real yeah. estate resume, because I'm not spending a significant amount of time worrying about the lending side of it. It's, mm -hmm. it's do a couple hours of due diligence at the beginning of it. Why are the funds off to closing? And then, you know, just kind of keep in communication with your borrower according to your comfort level. Yeah. So on your, um, so for private money lending, so how, where do you find or where do people find you if they want to borrow from you? Um, but where, where do you personally find your, uh, your borrowers? That is also thanks to the military community. So mm -hmm. I happen to be stationed in Hampton Roads, which is the uh, largest naval base in the world is here. Uh, there's actually 11 military installations with about a 50 mile radius of where I currently live. So wow. basically, if you throw a rock, you're going to hit five people affiliated with the military in some capacity. So it tends to be a really small community. You bump into people, somebody knows somebody else from their command. Uh, so actually, all of my borrowers have been either veterans or active duty service members. Mm -hmm. And it's just we run into each other through various real estate circles uh, I'm very specific about the type of property I lend on. And then people yeah. will go, oh, I know someone that does those types of deals. You know, let me introduce you, you know, and it just, it's a very much a relationship way of investing. It's not mm -hmm. transactional. Like most people think of hard money lending. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or sometimes also like note investors as well. Mm -hmm. So it's much more about the numbers and the property, mm -hmm. not so much about the relationship, especially if you deal with, you know, non-performing notes, then it's, uh, you, know, so, you know, it's a little bit different. But um, okay, so that's, that's very interesting. So um, yeah, so you have a lot of people that you basically build a relationship with and these people are investors and they just flip or they do rental properties or do burr and then you help them kind of like get to a point where they can refinance and stuff like that right yes yes okay uh, so we fund just fix and flips and basically it's it's properties that they can be in and out of for three in three to four months generally the loans are only out three to four months so mm -hmm. they're going in updating you know paint and flooring maybe the kitchen countertops you know the kind of the big the big ticket items that a lot of buyers are going to want to see has been updated yeah and then they throw it on the market and then because of historically low housing inventory right now everything that gets hits the market hits mls you know it's it's got a contract a day or two later so yeah yeah. I would rather, because that's their exit strategy as a lender, I get paid when they exit. So yeah. in a historically low housing inventory, you know, that's my quickest way to go and get paid again versus mm. if they were in a Burr investor, you know, they are relying on conventional lending to refinance them out. And conventional lending standards kind of did a roller coaster during COVID, yeah. you know, as cases went up, underwriting criteria went up, as cases came down, it loosened up a little bit. It's still not to the point where it's kind of pre-COVID numbers for yeah. non-owner occupied property. So that's why we are not doing anything that's kind of buy and hold. Our exit strategy yeah. needs to be you're selling this property. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's very good. I mean, I, so what what are some of the uh, like what are your terms right now in terms of uh, for private money lending? Uh, the types of properties that we like, well, the interest on. interest rate and then kind of like any you don't have any points or anything like that it's just like straight on and yeah, interest so. interest only payment yes so we okay. there's a couple different things we can do because we will lend in the first lien position or the second lien position mm -hmm. so yeah. if the for example if a borrower is taking a property subject to so the first lien is already in place yeah. Uh, they're just going to renovate it. They're going to own it for three or four months until it's sold on the open market. Uh, we will actually come in with a second lien position on that one. And then that providing them funding for, you know, renovation costs, maybe holding costs for the first mortgage. Mm -hmm. And in a situation like that, we just charge a flat interest rate. So if you keep the loan for three or four months, you know, it doesn't matter when you pay it back in that three or four months, you're paying the same interest rate because the loans tend to be smaller in nature anywhere yeah. between 20 and maybe $40,000, $45,000. So for those, what I offer the borrowers, again, because it's a very relationship-based model, is anybody who's ever done a rehab knows you're hemorrhaging money for the first you know, month or two you own that property. Yeah. So what I offer them is say, hey, you know, we can do 10% you know, flat or we can do 12% flat and you don't have to make monthly interest only payments. You can have basically mm -hmm. your retail buyer pay your accumulated interest. And yeah. I have yet to have a borrower turn me down for that because, you know, that's just one less, you know, payment, one less, yeah. one, a lot less money going out the door. Um, so again, that's another benefit of working with a private lender is yeah. you have that flexibility to negotiate, you know, what you're looking for, what they are willing to do. And then a lot of times you can kind of meet in the middle and there's some private lenders that'll say, no, absolutely. I need the monthly mortgage payment. That's, yeah. that's kind of my security blanket 
Whereas others that are like, you know, no, we've done three or four deals together. We'll just do all the interest at the end. We're good. We have a history. We're fine. So that's where building that relationship and maintaining good communication. If there's something going wrong, inform mm-hmm. them something's going wrong. Yeah, you know, exactly. Don't try to hide your you know, head in the sand and avoid it. They're going to yeah. respect you more for keeping them in the loop when things go wrong. So that's where I think the big advantage of having private money you know, kind of in your back pocket to use as a tool, as an active investor, really, really helps having that relationship built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, when we were starting with uh, turnkey, uh, our turnkey portfolio, um, well, our portfolio of rentals, I should say, the, um, yeah, we were looking at kind of like get, getting these rehabs done and doing and using hard money lending versus private money lending. And it was so much easier to work with private money lenders, because you're, you're dealing with a person that they own the money. They're just, uh, you know, they're lending to you. The terms are a lot easier. And yeah, and then you build a relationship with with that person. The hard money lender is just an intermediary uh, with the real money. And then you don't know who they are. So he maintains a relationship with them. And then he's just like, he's there to crack the whip on you to make sure that you pay them. And they have all kinds of different criteria uh, that, you know, that they have to abide by because that's just the criteria that, they agree to with their uh, the people that are lending the money so it's a lot so it's a lot more difficult to work with hard money lender and i you know and i we never actually we never use we talked to a couple of hard money lenders we never actually did anything with hard money lender Uh, they have way more money to to lend than the private money lenders but yeah we never did anything with the hard money lenders always been private money and um, and it's the same is the same lender over and over that we've had for years that are just and for them that's their that's their passive income you mm-hmm. know because it's the same they just keep lending to us we move them from one property to the next they get a check every month there's a friend of mine actually he did lend us a significant amount of money uh, he was a flipper in the San Francisco Bay Area and they uh, him and his brother basically lend us uh, their money. Uh, that was like what four four years ago and I send them a, a wire tra- not a wire transfer but a direct payment every month and stuff like that I don't hear anything from them <laughs> they just get a check every every month or whatever their payment every month and then I talk to them every once in a while and say hey how are you doing you want to do anything else you want to no we're good we're good <laughs> it's like okay yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I, I mean, this is, they don't have to worry about, you know, yeah, repairs and, you know, oh yeah, this is like, uh, there's a storm that blew out the electric panel in Memphis the other day. And it's just like, okay, they don't have to worry about any of that. They get their check every month, no problem. So yep. return, returns for them is a little bit lower than what, than what we're getting and what some of our invest, other investors are or the, the direct owner of these properties, but you know, you, you have more flex, you have, it's more passive. You don't have to worry with other things you have, you know, and if it reaches your goal, then, you know, that's, that's what matters. Maybe a little bit less return, but at least you, you sleep at night and, you know, you have passive income. Yeah. I call that lifestyle return, you know, so yeah. does the cash flow return meet and does the lifestyle return meet? And if those two mm-hmm. things are good, then that's, that's the way to move forward. Yeah, exactly. For me, like I have like two younger kids 25 they're not kids but 20 26 and 24 so they want to 
they want to go there. It's exciting uh, to kind of invest and all of that and do all kinds of things. So, so we, we play, we play in that field. I, I like that, but um, yeah. Some other people, they're more like into the, I want to, I just want to retire. I want to be by the beach with air conditioning. And <laughs> no, my, my thing is, as a horse, I want a horse and oh, they are horse. very expensive and very time consuming. So uh, anybody, it's like having a boat, you know, like yeah, yeah. everybody, you know, it's great to know someone who has one. So. <laughs> yeah. So that was my insistent. That was another reason I was very insistent about passively investing. You know, how much time is this going to take? Because if I'm, if I'm this big real estate guru, am I actually going to have the freedom to go spend four hours in the middle of the day, seven days a week at the barn? Like that's where I want to be. That's what I'm doing all this for. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very good. I mean, obviously there's a lot more to know about private money lending. If this is what people are interested in, or maybe some kind of your, your tricks of the trade for the, uh, the short-term rental owner. Uh, what I find very fascinating about your story is that is again, you, you adapted, uh, you found the right strategy and tweaked the process and your team to your specific situation. And I think this is, this is phenomenal. People don't, they, they don't feel necessarily that freedom or that creativity to, to say, Oh, Oh, no, I need to fix this. I need to do it differently. And uh, you can, and I think uh, if people listen to this, uh, the, what they should get out of the, our discussion is that just figure out what you need, what you want, and then make everything, uh, all the other rules bend to your, to your will. That's what you need, you need to do. So I think this is very good. You also have like a, the, your Facebook group called Private Lending Lessons. Um, so if people want to reach out to you, uh, they, I'm sure they can do it there. But uh, tell us a little bit more about that, uh, that group, that Facebook group and what you talk about in there. And uh, does it cost anything? Are you selling anything in there? So the group was actually started out of necessity during COVID. You know, I went out looking for community as an extrovert stuck inside. You know, I'm married to someone. If I get 10 words out of him, that's a chatty Cathy day for him. So every group I joined on social media that had something to do with private lending um, or passive investing was a lot of just scams and spam. I mean, it wasn't anything educational based, even bigger pockets. Everybody knows about bigger pockets. And bigger pockets has a book about, you know, how to you know, price out your scope of work and you can buy an apartment building in 30 days. But the only way private lending was mentioned was go find a private lender to fund your deals. And we're like, yeah. great, I would love to find the private lenders, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I joke around with people that we take the private part of private lending very seriously because we are the champions of hide and go seek because <laughs> it's very rare for some of us to kind of come forward and say, I do this yeah. because you get inundated with just loan request after possibility, after investment opportunity. Um, which can be very annoying, but, you know, going back to trying to find other people doing it, I, I was unsuccessful. And mm-hmm. somebody mentioned to me, they're like, why don't you start a group? And I'm like, I'm a chemistry professor. I spent eight years in college doing, you know, molecules. I didn't do marketing. And mm-hmm. they said, I'll oh, just do it. Just create a Facebook group. It's easy. It's free. I'm like, okay, fine. 
and I did. And then about a week later, there were a hundred people in it. And I was like, oh crap, now I got to do something <laughs> with this. And it just kind of, you know, I found people, you know, that wanted to talk about some aspect of private lending, you know, like what, what's proper insurance that you need to be aware of as a private lender. Cause I think most people when you're lending, don't even worry about the insurance. They don't think about insurance. Yeah. So we started bringing people in that had some sort of information to share with people that were specifically about private lending and the community just kind of grew. It actually mm -hmm. hit a year old uh, this month and there's 4,700 people in it. Wow. So it, it really became a, became a phenomenon. I was not anticipating, yeah. but uh, the group is 100% free. It's 100% education, 100% networking. Uh, mm -hmm. We allow active <clears throat> investors in now because the more active investors I talked to, I realized they also had no education in what private money was, how to use it, what the expectations were. Um, I still to this day routinely get messages and, you know, either my Facebook messenger or email, Hey, what's your rates? And it's like, no, that doesn't private money doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. um, so the group is open to active investors as well now. So they can kind of get a peek behind the curtain on, you know, what are private money lenders looking for? We have daily mm -hmm. discussions about some aspect of private lending. And my thought was if active investors joined, they were going to be better borrowers because they would know what private lenders are looking for. They would mm -hmm. know what questions and they would also know how to how to spot the scams Yeah, because I can't tell you the number of times I've, I've talked to people and they're like, Oh, you know, somebody offered a 100% fund my deal. All I had to do was send them $5,000 and it's always the same term. Yeah. Like yeah. it's $5,000. It's they're going to give it to you for five years. It's going to be yeah. interest only. I mean, it's just, it's not secured to property. So if anybody learns anything from this episode that is not legit, you are never going to give a private money lender any money outside of closing. So yeah. all the money exchanges hands through closing. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was a group that just kind of grew out of necessity of people wanting to find other private lenders. Cause you know, there's landlord groups, there's burr groups, you know, you go to your local RIA meeting, there's a ton of active investors there, but you know, there might be in the room, maybe two or three private lenders or people that would consider lending privately, but they're not going to come forward and say, Hey, where's the private yeah. lenders? You know, that's just, it's just not a thing. Um, yeah. So it's become a really good community for people to be able to kind of come forward, ask questions, learn more about it, whether they're a passive investor or an active investor. Yeah. So yeah, this is absolutely true. I think so. Some people they don't even know they might be private money lenders. I mean, they mm -hmm. just have money and they, they lent money to somebody uh, for a project and says, but they don't think of themselves as a private money lender. I just, no, yep. I just lend money on this. I said, well, <laughs> and it's always and then, like their cousin's best friend decided to become a rehabber. Like I swear to God, yeah, it's always yeah. their cousin's best friend. And so, <laughs> yeah. And then they get their money out and then they're just like, you know, and then they just like, okay, what do I do now? And it's like, but yeah, if they, they knew they were aware that they were private money lenders, then there's a lot of opportunities out there and uh, hard money lenders, you know, they, and they know it's much more professional. They have, uh, you know, because they're really going, for the business private money lenders are more like oh yeah i just have money in the bank and i'm just like i don't know i don't know exactly what i don't have a label i don't have i don't have a job so it's a little bit different uh but they're out there and uh, some of them know who they are uh the other thing too that i find interesting is that there's also a lot of people that are that call themselves private money lenders and they really it's not their money so they have somebody else's money behind them 
and then they want they want points and they want this and stuff like that and you have the scammers that are just like oh i need like a thousand dollars application fee and stuff like that it's like no <laughs> it's like yeah not gonna don't happen. do that <laughs> exactly so uh yeah so there's a lot of people out there that's uh there are a lot of scammers you always have to uh keep your keep you know you know make sure that you you keep your money secure and don't don't fall for these uh these scams that's for sure well i think it's uh it's about the end of our time alex so it was a pleasure speaking with you anything you want to mention before we wrap it up uh just to feel free to join the group and if you want to learn more um you know feel free to send me a message i'm obviously in the group all the time uh, i love getting on the phone and or zoom call and talking with people there's tons and tons of free resources we have attorneys come in and talk on a monthly basis about some legal aspect of private lending i mean it's there's just tons of information free information the group is not monetized so it's tons mm. and tons of free information on how to get started no, that's fantastic. So again, the Facebook group is called Private Lending Lessons. And in the show notes, I'm going to put all your, your contact information as well so that if people want to reach out to you directly, they can. So Alex, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I had a great time. Uh, great. Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.